everyone. This is Jan Kabili, your host for The Fix, the podcast that's all about Photoshop, Lightroom, and everything you do to your photos after you capture them. Tonight, we're going to be talking about special Photoshop effects, some special Hollywood-like effects, and my guest to show you how he makes that happen is Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson is a digital artist, a photographer, an author, and he is one of those guys that just has a terrific sense of art. And in my opinion, that's what makes you good at Photoshop. It's not so much clicking the buttons. It's having a sense of where you're going, what you're trying to create, and, you know, being a bit of a, of a fine artist yourself. So let's say hi to Mark Johnson. Hey, everybody. It's delightful to be here. And Jan, a longtime friend of mine and fellow Boulderite, um, it's wonderful to spend time with you as well. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for agreeing to do this. You know, I know you're really busy. Um, Mark has his own website where he's constantly posting tutorials. I think you have over 500 tutorials there. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, it's actually, I, I believe we're well over 600 at this point. I've been recording a tutorial a week now for um, uh, about a decade. Yeah. Wow. And what is the thrust of these tutorials? Are they more um, how to make something or how to make something or, or, you know, the steps of using Photoshop? Well, I, you know, I think more than anything, it's, it's about what you come up with. So kind of what you can create with, uh, with Photoshop. So it's more about the process of creation and what you can create, what you can come up with. But um, I also deliver everything in a very step-by-step -step fashion. So I guess you could say it's technique, but ultimately I want to share something with people where they see the, the end result and they say, hey, that's something I'd like to do. So I know you care about that as an artist yourself. You're very interested in the thing you're making. Um, what is it that turns you on about that? Oh, geez. I, <laughs> that's a good, that's a really good question. I mean, there. Uh, I can't tell you how long I've been just a visual person and visually stimulated. And in my personal artistic life, the thing that's, that's really kept me alive, I think, over the years is a desire to evolve and to allow myself to do that. So, for instance, uh, I started off as a very traditional uh, landscape photographer shooting with a wide lens on a tripod. And it was wonderful for me for a couple years. And then... When I started to get a little bit tired of that, then I picked up a macro lens and I started creating botanical portraits. And then that evolved into HDR and photo impressionism and, and now photo compositing. And so along the way, what's neat about this is I, I stay fired up because I'm working on stuff that is meaningful to me personally. And it gives me the opportunity to teach a variety of different techniques and write different books and things because I'm, I'm able to talk about these different techniques, these different styles. And so it's, um, I think more than anything, allowing myself to evolve and to kind of connect with my heart. That's what's keeping me inspired and keeping me excited about image making. I think you're right for you. I think it is a lot about connecting with your heart because you are a sensitive, um, visual uh, artistic person by nature. I, I know you personally. Um, and I think that comes out in your work. I'm wondering what kinds of things inspire you. So like, for example, you're saying, oh gosh, I have to come up. I, I want to make a new piece. Where do you look for inspiration? Well, I do uh, several things actually. Um, one of the big deals for me personally is I have a seven-year-old daughter. And so over the past seven years, we've read 
thousands of children's books, picture books. And so I find um, in those picture books, I'll be reading one with her and all of a sudden these ideas will start popping into my mind. Same thing happens when I browse the book covers at the bookstore or um, when I do an internet search for somebody who's doing something that I love, you know, kind of looking out there for inspiration gives me ideas to come up with my own projects. And I actually find, Jan, that uh, I know some people seem to kind of be against the idea of, of mimicking the work of others, but I actually find that extremely helpful uh, to mimic the work of somebody who you love. And what happens is inevitably you're, you're going to end up spinning off in your own direction and creating art that's, that's unique to you, even though you initially were striving to create something that you saw out there. I understand. So just so people who may not know uh, your art, it is primarily photo-based art. But from what I've seen, it has always has an uh, kind of an illustration quality to it. Um, whether d d doesn't matter which technique you're using. For example, for a while you were making portraits, uh, excuse me, environmental portraits that actually were composites of people like athletes in a relevant background. And even though everything in those composites was a photograph, they had an illustrative quality. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I do create all my work right now. I create it with a camera and Photoshop. Those are my tools. And I use a few plugins as well. But um, I, I am evolving where I'm actually learning some 3D software so I can start creating photorealistic photo 3D elements to incorporate into my composites. So that's part of my personal evolution right now. But, um, but I think what gives my work the sort of illustrated quality is I'm not striving for realism. Uh, definitely not a documentary approach at all. I'm striving for something that is kind of cinematic. Um, I love, you know, movie posters, huge source of inspiration. I'm looking for something that's cinematic, so it feels larger than life. And, and yet, I want it to be believable. Um, and also, with the children's books, that whole idea of I look at all these illustrations that you know traditional illustrators are creating, people who can use paint <laughs> and brushes and things like that. I look at those and they're just so brilliant and so lovely when they're well done. And so I think that's another influence that kind of comes in. And so so you know between the movie posters and the children's books, that is influencing me in such a big way. That's the look I like. So that creates the illustrated look. Well, that's, you know, those are great tips is to look outside of traditional photography sometimes at other kinds of art, um, even things that you might not consider art, like you mentioned book covers. I do that all the time. I go to the bookstore and I just stand there and look at the covers thinking about, gee, you know, how could I make something like that? Or what other ideas does that give me for what I want to photograph um, and the look that I want to get? Yeah, I mean, I, I can spend hours in a bookstore and never even open a book. <laughs> 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 you're so funny well now what's that behind you did you make that piece behind you yeah i'm not sure if everybody i know we have a big audio audience as well but um yeah back behind me is one of my photo composites um i uh, read the book called uh, i believe it's the orchid thief years and years ago and they came out with a movie i think they called the movie adaptation and that movie poster had a fallen fractured uh, flower pot with an orchid in it and 
there was a face on the flower pot. And in I, the flower pot, not just it, on it's, it. It's, it's, yeah, it was part. It, it was it, the flower pot was. Um, it had a human characteristic, and it was so cool <laughs> that for years I said to myself, "I want to make something like that. I want to do my own version of it." And I didn't have the skills for a long time, and then, you know, with hard work and persistence, I uh, I developed the skills, and and uh, I think maybe. Three years ago or so, I, I created my own version of that movie poster. <laughs> Good for you. It's really cool. Well, and now let's talk a little bit about the skills. A lot of what you do is the result of compositing in Photoshop. And so what, um, what do people need? People are interested in compositing. Maybe they haven't tried it before. Maybe they're very good photographers, but they haven't tried to put multiple photographs together. If you had to advise them, what are some really uh, you know, basic things that you would say to them or first things you would say to them to do when compositing? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the very first thing I would say is be really patient and gentle with yourself because when you move from, you know, just creating a straight photo into the world of compositing, if you don't have a whole lot of Photoshop experience, there's going to be a big learning curve. So patience and just love yourself along the way and allow yourself to make a lot of mistakes. Then um, start studying the way things behave in the real world. In other words, um, when you see light falling on something, study the way that light falls on it. Study the way the shadow falls off of that subject. Because when you get into compositing, when you want to create something that is believable, one of the big deals is having believable highlights and shadows in your composite. So, so really to, to pull off a composite and make it look good, you'll need to develop the skills to make a great selection. And I have some excellent resources on my website. In fact, I think Jan's going to end up sharing um, a couple links that I think will be helpful. One of them is a free tutorial on how to make amazing selections. And um, if you can get a great selection and cut your subject out really well, then when you start compositing them in, you're going to need to learn how to balance the uh, colors so that the subject actually harmonizes and looks like it belongs in the background. So that's going to come down to learning some basic color correction techniques. And, um, and then you work with those, those uh, highlights and those shadows. I have a lot more to say, but... I suspect you might have a question. So do you have a question right now? Because I could keep going. I have a lot more to say about this. <laughs> well, the, one, one thing, one question I would have is, okay, I, I hear you and I hear you're telling me, well, I'd have to know how to make selections very well, how to match color between the content of the multiple images, um, of course, how to match light, shadow, all of that. But gee, you know, how do I learn that? Where do I go to learn that? Yeah. And do you have specific places people can go to pick up exactly those those skills? Yes, uh, on my website, I have um, I, I do have a, a membership that's four ninety five a month, and that gives folks access to over six hundred tutorials and everything you could ever want to learn about compositing is is included in that four ninety five a month. I also, for those who don't know me and they just want to sample some things. I have a whole bunch of free content, including a whole bunch of free compositing tutorials. Um, if you go to the sidebar on my learn page, you'll find uh, a link for free content. And if you type in compositing, you'll find lots and lots of great resources. Um, 
Cool. What's the website? We haven't said that yet. Yes, it's, it's msjphotography.com. Oh, how catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not catchy, is it? It's <laughs> yeah, I think I came up with that name, oh, 15 years ago. <laughs> I could probably do better now. <laughs> no, but now people know where it is, and you have yeah. a huge audience there. And you also have um, uh, Lightroom tutorials by my friend. Um, well, you can tell us about that. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were just about to talk about David Marks, who I think is one of the most wonderful people in the world, and he's a spectacular, incredibly clear Lightroom instructor. So he's he's also adding Lightroom content to my site, and I'm so excited to have Dave there. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he he's the guy I listen to when I have questions about Lightroom, and I'm supposed to know everything about Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know... Um, Again, I know you probably have a question, but can I go back to an, uh, mentioning something else about compositing? Oh, Would please, it be okay? Yes. Yeah. So uh, before I don't want to get too far off off track onto my my website, which is awesome, but um, I, I really want to mention that um, I think one of the big roadblocks for people who are interested in compositing is they might not know how to come up with an idea for a composite. Um, in fact, that's something that um, you know some days I struggle with, even though I've been doing it for a while. So. What I'm going to suggest in the beginning, if you're a new compositor, forget about coming up with a great concept. Simply work on the art of maybe compositing a person into a background. You know, just just do it. You know, give it a shot. Don't worry about great concepts or anything like that. Just practice doing that. And then when it's time to evolve and you're ready to start coming up with great concepts, I can make some suggestions around that too. Is now a good time to do that, Jan? Absolutely. Can you <laughs> okay. share your screen and maybe give us some visual suggestions? Yeah, sure. And uh, do you see an image of a book laid out with a balloon, hot air balloon? I do, and that is one of my favorites of yours. Isn't that amazing? Now, for people who are just listening, perhaps you can describe this image that we're looking at. Oh, sure. I'd love to. I, like I say, I can talk for days about this, but I want to, I want to keep people here. So anyway, yeah, this is an image um, of a book laid open on a table. And um, the picture in the book is a meadow with a winding road in it. And so I had this idea that I could lay this book open on the table with this meadow and winding road, and I could actually have the meadow and winding road spill out of the book and travel into the distance. And it could be a complete beautiful sunset scene out there, complete with a hot air balloon. And um, what really got me started on this whole idea right here was I wanted to work with the idea of popping something up in a three-dimensional three fashion out of something else. So I I really started this thinking I want to make that tree pop out of the book. So there's a three-dimensional, again, it's a 2D photo, but I made it look three-dimensional with light and shadow. I made a tree pop up out of the book um, in the middle of the meadow, and I have a, a butterfly, you know, floating through the air toward the tree. And so this gave me a chance, you know, and I struggled with this like I do with everything for a while to, to get it right. It's really creative process. It's truly process because I... I fail way more than I succeed. So I, I failed a lot as I was putting these different pieces together and came up with the, uh, the image of this, this book splayed open with this three-dimensional tree popping out, and then the book spills out into the distance. So, you know, I love these ideas. I want to show another composite here that I'll talk about. So, again, I know a lot of you are just listening. Uh, this is a photo composite of a baseball player getting ready to swing a bat, and in this particular composite, I wanted to imply the power 
the the amazing power of this particular baseball player. And so I, I decided I was going to wrap a tornado around his baseball bat and have a lightning bolt launching out of the bottom of the bat. And um, the way that this idea came to me, and this is something I use very often, I thought about substitutions. So in other words, I was thinking about the idea of, okay, baseball player, he's holding a bat. What could I substitute that would have a similar shape to the bat? And then I thought, well, okay, baseball player, what are they? This guy, he's, he's, like a, he's like a god, you know, he's powerful. And so what is long and narrow like a bat that implies power? And I thought, tornado. And, you know, when that th- thought struck, it was just a moment of exhilaration uh, because substituting stuff is, is just one sort of creative vehicle that you can use when you're coming up with ideas for photo composites. Great idea. Great idea. And I have to tell you a little silly story. My son, who is an entrepreneur and he runs his company, they had some headshots done. And for some reason, the photographer had him holding this giant comb in his hand and putting <laughs> combing his hair. And I'm like, forget it. You cannot have that as your headshot. So I used Photoshop to get rid of the comb. And then just for a joke, I stuck a hammer in his hand. So it looked like he was hitting himself on the head. <laughs> But, you know, it's I love that. Same yeah. idea, right? <laughs> it, it is. It's the same idea. What can you substitute? Substituting one thing for another, you can create something that has, it's a great concept. It has more meaning to it. It can be humorous. It can be whatever you're trying to convey. Um, I also like to play around a lot with colors when I do compositing. So in the one I'm looking at right now, there's this rain-slicked alley, and rain is actually falling. And there's a dancer in a red hoodie leaping through the alley. You know, he's doing this great dance move right through the center of the alley. And there are red umbrellas falling down around him. So, again, the idea of playing with the red umbrellas and the red dancer and everything else is monochromatic so that it really pops out. And it's, it's, uh, it's whimsical and it's got these beautiful complementary or I should say harmonizing red colors in it. It's really wonderful. Each of these is a stupendous piece of art and completely photo-based, right? We're not, there's no drawing in here or um, things like Illustrator. They're completely photo-based. I will say this, um, and this is also another big deal for me. Uh, when I got excited about compositing, I set out to create every single composite I did using my camera and Photoshop, and that was it. And I found that I was generating composites, and I was excited, more excited than ever, actually. But I wasn't generating them very fast because as a teacher and not a full-time artist, I couldn't always arrange the models and the photo shoots and capture my own images. And so one day, I took a trip out to Hollywood. I have a friend out there who uh, was a, one of the lead compositors on Life of Pi, which got the Academy Award. And Ooh. I was he was showing me his work and I was sitting here just looking at it and my, my, my jaw, my, it was on the floor. I was just blown away. And I said to him, I said, Chris, how are you doing this, man? What's going on here? This stuff is, it's mind boggling. It's perfect imagery. And he said, Mark, I'm just part of a team. He goes, we are a huge team. We have lighting specialists. We have camera specialist we have 3d specialist we have uh you know we have all all of these people and i said well so you have a village and he said yeah i said i need a village and now most of us 
particularly the folks watching this show, we're, we're just one person, right? But the good news is we live in a global society now. So we have access to an entire world of knowledge and imagery. And so on that very day, I made, a, I made a deal with myself. I said, Mark, what do you love more than anything creatively? Okay, I love to composite. That's what I want to do. Well, how can I do that more? How can I have a village? Well, all I need to do is allow myself, whenever I can't do a shoot, I need to allow myself to be able to tap into the stock photography industry. And so I started compositing using a lot of stock images as well as my own work. And when I gave myself that permission, guess what, Jan? I started making a lot more composites and got more and more excited about the process. So you have to decide, the folks who are listening, you have to decide, you know, are you willing to um, purchase stock images to use as well? Or do you want to do your own shoots? But either way, just make sure that you allow yourself to make composites if that's what you want to do. Cool. But I know you also do shoot a lot for this work, uh, just so people know, um, because I, I remember hearing you talking about shooting the athletes and, and how you were setting things up in the studio to match the background. So it isn't all just putting stock photography together. That's right. That's right. It isn't all that. Um, if if I weren't you know, a full-time teacher, if I was doing art all the time, I'd probably be doing, be doing the vast majority of the shooting on my own. But right now, um, I do you know, some of the shooting on my own, and I, and I have no hesitation with also taking stock images and, and using those to tell my stories. Cool. You know, Mark, I would love to see more of your work, but I also want to hear a little bit of a how-to from you. You prepared something for tonight, didn't you? I did. I did. I'm going to talk about um, creating sophisticated particle effects using Photoshop. What is a particle effect? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I thought this might be a topic that um, could interest folks who are getting into compositing, you know, interested in compositing. And um, I thought it might be a topic that, that not a lot of people have, have talked about um, before. So I think, I think it's kind of new and fresh and interesting. Basically, a particle effect is... Um, the ability to take a subject, it could be a person, it could be a, um, in this case, in my example, we'll use a guitar, it could be any object or any person, and break that object or that person into fragments or little tiny pieces. That is a particle effect. Um, yeah. <laughs> Want to show, will you show us? Yeah, I'd be delighted to. You still seeing my screen okay? Yes. All right. So... Um, we're going to work with this guitar that you see right here. Now, this is um, a photo composite that I created, a very simple photo composite that I created. Um, it's a layered file right now. In fact, let's pop right over to Photoshop so you can see that. Uh, so I have an image of a guitar, and it is, imagine it in a studio with kind of a sonics environment, which would mean kind of like the padding that you see on the walls so that it's acoustically beautiful. So there's this wonderful, I think this is like a Gibson, Gibson Les Paul, I believe, uh, sitting in this, this studio environment, just leaning against the wall. And this is a layered Photoshop file um, that I want to, I want to, again, ideas, concepts are really important here. So I want this um, to imply the awesome 
audio capabilities and power of this guitar. So I'm going to actually have the guitar breaking into tiny little particles, into fragments, and sort of flying off. And if I wanted to do this effect in Photoshop by myself without the help of anything else, this would take a lot of time. I mean, a lot of time to do. So fortunately, um, I found on the web, the beautiful web, I found a, an action. It's called a sandstorm action. And it's created by, um, I don't know the actual person's name, but he goes by the moniker Seven Styles. He's from Australia. And he's created a sandstorm action as well as several other actions, um, pretty amazing ones that do other particle effects. And um, again, I think Jan will share a hyperlink to uh, several of his actions. They cost, I think, $5 a pop, and I think they're an absolute steal for that price. But we're going to use his sandstorm action to create the fragments here. So, Jan, are we ready? Shall I go ahead and roll through it? Absolutely. Please do. And uh, yes, I will put in the show notes on thisweekinphoto.com slash the fix uh, links to all the things that you mentioned. And if you have some others you don't mention, I'm happy to add those too. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. I, I think that stuff will really help people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, uh, there'll be a hyperlink in Jan's show notes to this page. Uh, this is the Sandstorm Photoshop action page. Again, you can see it's $5. If you purchase this action, um, you'll want to download it to your computer and place it in a folder that is a unique actions folder. I would recommend against putting it in the Photoshop actions folder. Um, I would create an actions folder on your hard drive in a place where you know it exists and you can carry those actions from one version of Photoshop to the next really easily. So buy the action, place it there, and then you need to load it in Photoshop. So um, right here, I'm in Photoshop. I am in the Actions panel. All right, so here in the Actions panel, which, by the way, you can find, uh, it's tucked away under the Window menu. So if you go to Window Actions, that's where you're going to locate that. And there's a flyout menu. It looks like a little inverted triangle next to some little slashes. There's a flyout menu in the Actions panel and all panels in Photoshop. And if you click on that, you can choose Load Actions from that flyout. And then you can just navigate to the action that you downloaded. So I've already loaded mine up here just for the sake of time. And you can see down here in my actions panel now is a sandstorm action. And if I twirl the little triangle down next to it, you'll see that there's an ability to apply this action. So it blasts off to the left of the subject, to the right, up, down, or out from the middle. You have a choice. Wow, that makes it easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are really well done actions. Um, you know, I hate to ask people to spend $5, but you're not going to regret it if, if you think these effects are cool. Um, you see a lot of effects like this in, in you know, Hollywood posters and, and things like that. So um, what we want to do now is this is a layered file. And this action will not run on my mini layered file. So I would recommend once you've kind of completed your composite, and by the way, this will work on non-composites, okay? So don't think you have to be working on a composite. You could be working on a single layer picture right from the start, and that will work too. Oh, good way to try it out. Yeah. So here, what I'm going to do is choose Image Duplicate, and I'm not going to bother renaming that. I'm just going to have a duplicate that I'm working on right here. 
and uh, this duplicate needs to be flattened. But since this is a composite, and I took the time to create a beautiful selection around that lovely guitar, I'm going to save myself just a wee bit of time with, uh, with this action by saving my guitar selection. So right now, my guitar selection exists. If I option click here on this mask associated with the guitar, you can see there it is. There's a mask. White represents the guitar. That's opaque. Black represents everything around it that's hidden. So if I want to load this mask as a selection, I can command, if I'm on a PC, that's going to be control. I can command or control click right on the mask and load up the marching ants. Now what I'm going to do is save them, save this selection. So I'll choose select, save selection, and I'll go ahead and name this guitar. And then in the save selection dialog, I'll press OK. So what that does is it actually deposits my stored selection into the channels panel so I can always reload it. I'll go ahead and choose select, deselect, get rid of the marching ants, and I'm going to flatten this document. And again, if you start with a flat document, then off you go. So I'm going to choose layer, flatten image. And it's going to ask if I want to discard hidden layers. Absolutely. Let's just get rid of those. So now I have a single background layer. Uh, does that make sense so far, you think, Jan? Absolutely. I have a question, though. Yeah. Uh, could you have just stamped a layer at the top of your layer stack that's a combination of all the layers beneath? So you would have a single layer on which to run the action, or would it not work that way? Um, I, I think I tried that when I bought this action uh, six, eight months ago, and um, it did not work. I see. So it's looking for <laughs> yeah. a file with a single layer like you have now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, um, before I actually show you how to apply the action, there are a couple of important things to know. Um, you want to go to the flyout menu associated with your layers panel, and there's an option in here that says panel options. And in the panel options, you want to make sure that the add copy to copied layers and groups box is checked. This, I believe, is checked by default in Photoshop, but it's very important that that is checked. Don't ask me why, but that's just the deal. <laughs> so anyway, mine is checked, so I'll cancel out of that. Now, the other thing you want to make sure that is in place before you run this action is you need to be in RGB mode. So uh, here under the image menu, if I go to mode, I want to make sure it's set to RGB and not something else like CMYK. And it needs to be an 8-bit file. So also under image mode, you can see here it says 8 bits per channel. I want to make sure that that's the one that's selected. So making a duplicate, Jan, your question a moment ago was an excellent one. But making a duplicate allows you to flatten it, make sure it's RGB color mode. It, may, it allows you to convert a 16-bit file to 8 bits. So all these destructive changes are happening to a duplicate of your file, which is a great thing. Good idea. <laughs> so, and, and additionally, you want to be working with the English version of Photoshop. If we have any... Um, folks from other countries out there who are speaking a different language and you have a different language version, um, I don't know if there's an action available for you. Um, you could always email the uh, seven styles and see if there is. It, it says on his site that um, photos between 1,000 and 3,000 pixels in the longest dimension um, are ideal. I have run this on much higher res files with great success. So um, I think you can really go on any size file, but Again, I just, I'm just reading his notes. 
between 1,000 and 3,000 pixels. Now, what we're going to do to make this action actually work is we're going to create a blank layer. And this is very important that you do this exactly as I tell you right now because um, that's the only way the action will behave. Actions are kind of finicky. And they really need you to do things in a certain order. So what I'm going to do here is create a blank new layer by clicking on the uh, create new layer icon near the base of the layers panel. Looks like a folded piece of paper. And um, I am going to name this blank layer all lowercase. So I'm double clicking on the layer name and that allows me to type in a new name all lowercase brush. Make sure you spell it correctly. B-R-U-S-H. <laughs> all lowercase. And now um, what I'm going to do is paint on this blank brush layer with any color paint. I don't like to use black because it's oftentimes a little harder to see, but you can paint with any color paint on this brush layer and where you paint represents the areas that will be blown apart. Since this is a photo composite and I saved off my selection, I can make my painting even easier. If I pop over to the channels panel, which you can find if yours is not open, you can go under the window menu to channels. If I pop over to the channels panel and I command or control click right on the black and white um, layer or sorry channel thumbnail for the guitar it will load the marching ant selection and then I'm going to exit the channels panel just by um, clicking actually you know what since I didn't go to the actual guitar layer I just command or control click on on the uh, thumbnail I don't have to exit the channels panel in a special way I can just go back over to layers but I will mention because I see this happen all the time if you actually clicked on the word guitar which is your guitar channel then to get out of the channels panel you want to make sure you click on the letters rgb to exit through the rgb channel all right yes that's, in, that's interesting and you know because people have trouble with that often i will give them an alternative way to load a selection that's menu driven which is just go to the select menu at the top let's of do Photoshop. that yeah yeah and choose uh, load selection yep. and then pick the one you were after yeah so exactly select load selection and then where it says channel here i just go to the guitar channel the guitar selection that i saved off Good. That's a good tip, Jan. And so, yeah, if I hit OK there, then I have the marching ants. Again, you do not have to have these in place in order to paint on the brush channel. It just saves you, saves you some time because I want to paint over the guitar. And if I paint over the black background, the sort of, uh, as I called it, Sonics material background, then that's going to blow apart as well. And I don't really want that to blow apart. Oh, I see. So the selection yeah. just narrows where the blowing apart happens. Exactly. It isolates the, the, the destruction, although it's beautiful destruction. I don't, I'm not a destroying kind of guy. I, I like destroying for the sake of implying power here, not for anything else. So I'm going to go to the brush tool and um, click that in the tools panel. Then again, you could paint with black, but I like to paint with another color. So I'm just going to go ahead and single click right on the foreground color chip. Mine is black right now. Yours may be a different color. And I'm going to go ahead and pick, say, a red. That's beautiful. Or if you prefer purple or whatever color, go ahead and choose that. Then I'll press OK. And I can control the size of my brush using the right bracket key. That makes it larger. And if I tap the left bracket key, that makes it smaller. And what I'm going to do is paint right along the edge of this guitar. So I'm painting along the neck of the guitar because I want just a little bit of um, particle effect coming out of that side. And then I'm going to make my brush bigger with the right bracket key and I'm going to paint along here. I'd like a little more particle effect coming there. And by the way, I am using a soft edge brush here. 
100% opacity and flow, soft edge. And I want a lot of blast coming out from down here. And then I think I'm even going to have a little tiny bit just flying off of the other side, just a little bit, and maybe a tiny, tiny bit right up here. So I have bits and pieces of the right side of the guitar that are going to fly off, and then I have lots of the left side of the guitar that's going to, going to fly off. Now that I'm done using my marching ants, I want to make sure to choose select, deselect, which is command or control D. Let's get rid of those marching ants. Now I'm going to actually run this action. In order to run it, I can't have the brush layer still active. I need to be on the background. So the brush layer is still there, the one you painted on, but you want to click on the background layer, make it active, and then pop over to the actions panel. We'll have our particles fly left. So I'm going to go ahead and click the word left here, which is the left particle action. And then there is a play button at the bottom of the actions panel. So I'll press play. It's a sideways triangle. I'll press that and I'll let it go to work. Now this action, it depends on the speed of your computer and the size of your file. It can take anywhere from uh, one minute to five minutes to run. I think mine's going to take about two, two and a half minutes to run here because it is a very sophisticated action with a lot of layers and a lot of steps. But that's part of the genius of it is it's not an action that I could come up with on my own <laughs> without like a year of work. <laughs> so did, did you look inside of those, uh, those sections to see what it's made up of? The I did. In fact, we're going to go inside of them just so I can show you how after the action is done running, how you can play around with the colors, the opacity, and the position of various elements. In other words, these particles are all layered in as beautiful layers. And that allows you, after the fact, if you want, you can take these various exploding particles, the small ones, the large ones, the different sized ones that are going different directions, and you have a lot of control over them even after the action is done running. So it's it's awesome. <laughs> it does sound great. Just if people are listening, we still don't have any particles. That's how big, uh, uh, how much processing power this action takes that, you know, it's still going on maybe 30, 40 seconds after Mark um, ran it. But uh, I do have another question. You had selected the background layer before you ran this action. Does that have to be a special Photoshop background layer? In other words, the kind with the lock on it? It does. It needs to be a background. And that was... When we flattened our document, um, it naturally turned that into a locked background layer labeled background with a capital B. And that's, that's important for this action to run. So yeah, if even if anybody who's working on a multi-layer document, it's going to be very important that you duplicate it and flatten it. Got it. Got it. Actions so, are difficult. You know, oh, oh wait, something has happened. Something has <laughs> happened. Suddenly, before our eyes, almost like magic, we have tiny little fragments and dust and things flying off of our guitar. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's pretty wild, pretty cool effect, I think. What do you think, Jan? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's pretty much done, but I know you have more to do to it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, at this point, several times when I've been working on my own projects, I've said I'm done. <laughs> right here. And and then the beauty of this is you don't have to be done. If you want to um, pop into the layers and see what they're all about, then you can do that. So we're going to do that for a moment. Do we have a little bit of time left, Jan? A little bit, maybe five, six minutes. Can you do it okay. in that time? 
Yeah, sure, sure, okay. absolutely. So basically, first thing I'm going to do here after the action is done running, I'm going to pop back to the Layers panel, and I'm going to collapse any folders that are expanded. So you know a folder is expanded, or a group is expanded, when the triangle to the left of the little folder icon is facing down, that means it's expanded. If I click on that triangle, then it collapses the group. So I'm collapsing all of these. And you can see if you collapse what's there, you have your background layer now. You have a sandstorm group with lots in it and a color group with lots in it and an add sharpening layer. And then all you have left beyond that is the brush layer that you did. So it's like five elements here. So it's, it's not as out of control <laughs> as, it, <laughs> as it might look. Um, so with the color, and I find that I like the color almost every time, just the way it comes out of the action, but I'll twirl that one open real fast. I'll twir twirl open the group. You can see here that there are a variety of color layers in here. Some of them, you turn them on and off, and you just don't see anything happen. You know what? You can ignore those. There is one right here. It's the bottom one in the color group. In fact, let me just drag this out so we can see what that's called. It's called, now let's move the photo over a bit too. It's called contrast color, or sorry, contrast change opacity. And um, if I wanted to tweak that, I can look here in the opacity part of the layers panel, and I can actually crank up the opacity because it's set naturally with the action to 10%. So if I crank it up, then I can get more contrast in the image very quickly. All right. And, now, and it makes a very different look to these scattered particles. Yeah. Changes, apart part. <laughs> exactly. It changes it radically. So then I also have a sub group here in the color group called color option one. And you see here, that I have some more choices. And so you can turn the visibility of these on and off and see what they do. I've got color option two. No, basically, there's not a lot that I want to change there is what it boils down to. But if I collapse these uh, subgroups, one thing I can do is here's color option one. If I just turn off its visibility and see what the images, image looks like and then turn on color option two, you'll notice these are different color effects, different tinting effects, just turning on one at a time the color option folders. So you're going to get different color effects for each of these. I find that in most cases color option one is lovely, but you can explore the different color effects sort of like you would do like what you would do with say a Florabella action that has a lot of color tinting layers, but there are looks like 12 different color options there that you can play around with just by turning the subgroups on and off. Now, let's look at something else. Let's go into the actual sandstorm group. And when we do this, again, I'm going to collapse the subgroups that are in here, like large blurred particles and cloud formation, base particles, particle groups, motion waves. Okay, these start to make sense to me now that I can see how they're named. If I turn off the visibility for large blurred particles, notice that there are some large blurred particles flying through the scene. There aren't a lot, but they disappear. So what I actually want to do here is go, I'm going to turn off visibility for cloud formation. And you can see that is kind of like the dust effect. Mm -hmm. And base particles. So each one of these, is you, if you just flip the visibility on and off, you know exactly what you're dealing with. And then I have motion waves. And this is a perfect example down here in motion waves. So if I 
and if I look at the motion waves group, it has a mask built in. If I click on the mask, I can come up to this spot right up here next to the neck of the guitar. There is a motion wave happening right here, and I am not really pleased with the way it looks. It's kind of this weird looking arc. So as long as I activate the mask for the motion waves group, I can now grab the brush tool, set black as the foreground, which you can do by clicking the little tiny black and white icon above your default foreground and background colors, or the little tiny arrow here to swap them around. And that's D for shortcut lovers and X to exchange them. So D for default, X to exchange. With black being my foreground color there, I can now paint on the mask over that one spot and I can eliminate that little piece that I just wasn't happy with right there. Oh, that looks better. That looks yeah. better. And it's, and it's a different piece every time that you're going to want to change. Exactly. So, so you have to investigate and experiment and see where the part is that you may want to mask away as you exactly. just did. And you can experiment so easily just by turning visibility on and off for the different groups. So it's not hard to do. And I'll do one last thing here. Um, let me just take this, say this particle groups subgroup. So I'm just activating that. Let's just say I want to move this or transform it, which means to scale it or rotate it or whatever you want to do to it. It's possible because it is its own group. If I grab the move tool now and I just click and drag, let's see if anything happens. Okay, nothing happened. And that's good to see because that means probably, well, <laughs> I, I say that probably I thought it meant that there was a mask that was maybe um, disconnected from the particles, but let's see here. Okay, am I not, not getting any movement, which might mean Let's just try something out. It should be, move the entire group, but what I'm going to do is see if this works. I've, got, I've actually twirled open the group, and I'm going to click on the topmost layer in it, and then the bottommost layer I'm going to shift-click on to select the entire range of layers in the group. So instead of selecting the group itself, I'm going to select the range of layers in it. Now if I drag, there it goes. Oh, yeah. Everything is moving across the image. Right. So now I can move or mask or whatever I want independently for those particles. So you can see here, I, by moving that, I now have um, a different particle, different explosive look to it. Um, so anyway, a lot of control if you're willing to just go under the hood and turn some eyeballs on and off. Um, you have a ton of control over uh, this action. And just so you know, there are other actions, and I'll have Jan share the links to them. There are other type of types of effects um, besides the sandstorm effect that create spectacular-looking particles. Terrific. This really looks so professional and reminds me what you said at the beginning of the podcast about being in Hollywood and needing the village. It's almost like you have the village with you <laughs> if you have this one action from this great yeah. guy. I don't even remember. Yeah. This is not your personal action. It's something. This is not my personal action. This is, um, again, he, I don't know his name, but he goes by Seven Styles. Here, by the way, I can show you really quickly. Here's... um. Actually, so there's the sandstorm effect you just saw. Here's the guitar, right? Um here is an effect he calls, um, oh, I didn't write these down. I thought I'd written down the name of it. Um, you'll see it when you get to his page. But these are other particle effects on that same guitar. So I got these different looks that you see right here uh, just by running the action.
Oh, those are great. They're all different. I think yeah. you actually have given me a few of those that I could uh, put up on the web page for this episode of The Fix so people can see the different things you can get with these actions. Yep. Yep. Great. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Mark. This has just been so exciting. And, you know, it, it makes me realize that you can create some great looking pieces of art composites um, from your own photos, from stock photos. And you don't even have to do everything yourself. If you are willing to go out there and, uh, and sort of share from other people and you have to do it in a respectful way and only take what is offered, um, you can really make some amazing composites on your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really think that uh, as much as we all want to have complete control over our images, I think we can. I think we can make better images if we're willing to relinquish a little bit of the control and borrow some of the beautiful actions from other people and borrow some uh, some of the stock photos and some of the other things. For me, bottom line, I have an idea. I have a story to tell, and. I want to tell it, you know, and so I'm going to find the tools, the resources, and I'm going to develop the skills in order to find a way to tell that story. And you do that so well, and you should be proud of yourself that you're always on the cutting edge, finding new, new techniques, new methods, new applications. Um, it's, I, I love that. I love that about you, that you're, you're not kind of stuck in a rut using just the same tools all the time. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jan. That's nice of you to say. <laughs> yeah. So to remind people, please go to Mark's website, msjphotography.com. And there you're going to find hundreds and hundreds of tutorials explaining lots of different exciting methods. This is only one of many, many techniques that Mark can teach you there. And, you know, it's if you do want to, there are a lot of free things there, but if you do want to join, I think it's like $4.95 a month. Is that right, Mark? That's right, $4.95 a month. That's so reasonable. And I'm a member. <laughs> I love looking at these tutorials. And I also get a newsletter from you that reminds me to go there. And that's helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Every Thursday. I, and, and those of you who aren't members or, you know, you're not sure you want to be a member, you can still get my weekly Thursday newsletter and you'll at least know what tutorials I'm posting each week. And then you can see if there's anything that suits your personal needs. Great idea. So thank you so much, Mark Johnson. Now, for those of you out there, um, I have something else for you. Every week, we are giving away a book from Rocky Nook's Books to one lucky to one lucky listener. And if you would like to be eligible to receive a book of your choice this week from Rocky Nooks, then what I'd like you to do is go to the comments at the bottom of the show notes at This Week in Photo slash The Fix. Look for the Mark Johnson episode, the one about making special effects in Photoshop. And go ahead and upload a photo there. You can upload any photo that you've processed in Photoshop this week. And um, you'll have, we'll have about two weeks period during which people can upload their photos. And then we'll be choosing one to receive a book of your choice from Rocky Nook Publishing. So go ahead and do that and uh, participate in our comment community that way. This is a really the show that you're offering, Jan. This is a this is a great service to photographers out there. I think it's I think it's great you're doing this, and and um, I've seen some of the guests you have on, and and they're no slouches. You've had, if, if those of you who are, are tuning in for the first time, check out the inventory of guests that Jan has had. These are some of the most interesting, most innovative, uh, most inspiring teachers um, on planet Earth. That is so nice of you to say, including yourself, Mark Jensen. And I'm very lucky to have the chance to talk to all these people. So with that, we're going to say goodbye for this week. And I hope you'll all tune in again, 
tune in again next week for another episode of TWIP The Fix. Mm-hmm.